Coming up on That Was a Show. For the 2023 very special holiday episode, the Twas team watches Christmas episodes from three classic shows. A very successful show, Family Matters, a failed or forgotten show, Soul Man, and a wild card episode of a show with a particularly unusual format, The Nanny, and learn more than they ever wanted to know about Stefan Urkel. Join Bryn, Aaron, and Barry as they usher in a nice, relaxing holiday season. We grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince, but those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were canceled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> this is where we pretend that we haven't been chatting for 10 minutes already. Yeah. Just because we started recording. Joyeux Noel. Yeah. Feliz Navidad. And welcome to our 2023 uh, holiday spectacular. Yeah, very special episode, holiday spectacular. That was a show coming at you live. Yeah, spectacular is uh, lowercase. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's also it's not coming at you. No, it's live live to tape. As soon as soon as I as soon as the words left my mouth, I'm like, this isn't live. Yeah. (laughs) This is like our most chill holiday special ever, I think, because, you know, we didn't overthink it. We didn't overplan it. It doesn't have a huge theme or anything. We're just going to be cozy and we're going to be chatting about, you know, festive episodes of television of the days of yore. And by the days of yore, I mean, of course, the 80s and 90s. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, Every year we've done something a little different for the holidays. This year, the three of us are reviewing three very different holiday special episodes from 90s sitcoms. One show will be a holiday episode from a very famous show that everyone's heard of and probably most have seen. Another will be from a failed or forgotten show that we recently reviewed. And the third will be what I'm calling a wild card episode, something particularly weird or unusual in format. Uh, but before we kick things off, Let's uh, just settle into our holiday groove with a little, yeah. a little um, self-reflexive chit-chat of our, <laughs> of our 2023 year in podcasting and year in consuming popular culture. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking it would be interesting if we just kind of thought back at some of our favorite or least favorite moments from 2023. Uh, do you, I I can start us off, go or, ahead, or or you one of you it. can. By all means. Um, my favorite moment overall was when the three of us met up by happenstance in Dublin, <laughs> Ireland, and we were able to record a greeting for our Father Ted episode. Yeah, 
That was definitely a highlight. Twas goes to Ireland. Yeah. It's one of our most listened to episodes, at least according to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because of Father Ted, because it's such a like popular show internationally it's, that it's it's it, it's huge. Yeah. And now, so, now I'm I'm mad because I'm like, there might be a Father Ted Christmas episode. Oh, uh, I mean, there I probably know. is. Oh. I mean, there's always next year. Yeah. Who's yeah. to say that we won't watch that next year? Yeah. So we've got a uh, yeah. Um, another favorite moment for me personally was getting to imitate Bob Newhart for our episode about the show <laughs> Bob. Yeah, well, that was it. Wasn't good. so much my imitation that was great. It was the way the two of you reacted to it that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> it was. It was something else. It was like it was really uh. Really something to really something to experience. Yeah. I committed to a bit and I wanted to see how long it would take for each of you to catch on. Anyone listening who hasn't listened to our Bob episode, the best way to understand what I'm talking about is to just listen to that episode. Um my least favorite show to review, I was trying to think like, do I have a least favorite? I don't know if I have a least favorite, but um shows that that kind of annoyed me the most <laughs> were probably either Doctor Doctor or Going Places. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was thinking that we'd been almost lucky in that. Like, I I haven't none of nothing's really annoyed me that much. But you're right, going 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 places really did. So yeah, compared to previous seasons of that was a show. None of the shows we reviewed this year were like offensively bad but some of them or at least not as much as some in the past but doctor doctor was doctor doctor was the was, closest yeah, to being like a low point yeah yeah that was that was probably the closest to one where i'm like i don't know and it's not i don't even, know if i wanted to watch this <laughs> yeah it's not even like the the you know we always joke about davis rules but that was like a fun episode to do Whereas I found like Dr. Doctor just like insufferable on all levels. Like, I guess we had fun talking about it, but I was like, nah. But not that much fun talking yeah, about yeah, it. I, I, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. Davis Rules was a bad show that was fun to talk about. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Dr. Doctor was not so fun to talk about. Yeah. Um, neither was, I don't know, for me, yeah, going places was just, I think my problem with going places was the premise set me up for much higher expectations. Yeah. And then they were not fulfilled. Yeah. So I think in both of those shows cases, it's not that those shows are like eh, so especially bad compared to a lot of things we've reviewed over time. It's just the gap between expectation and, and delivery was particularly stark. Fair. Um, yeah, it's very fair. Do either of you have any favorite or least favorite shows to add? Maybe um, a favorite show? I mean, I don't know if it's a favorite show, but my favorite revelation from like because everything was fun this year. Like the the wild thing is I was looking back kind of at our catalog of this year and I'm like, whoa, we did all of this this year. Like some of it. Time is so confusing because it felt yeah. like we did some of these like two years ago. Like it's very odd. But I think my favorite my two favorite things to talk about were Liz Knight, the discovery of Liz Knight, which we're going to follow up on like next <laughs> season. And just talking about the nanny a bunch was like fun, which, you know, 
Uh, no spoilers, but we'll be mentioning again today. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's like my the two highlights that I had. Uh, and then I would say I, I just like kind of echo what you have to say about the the least favorites. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm aligned with you on that. And like, yeah, I don't think there's anything like I liked like less than Doctor Doctor. Oh, the one thing I'll say is I found the George. So it was fun to talk about the George Carlin show because George Carlin is such a uh, Carlin is such a legend. Yeah. But I didn't like the show. Like I found the show was like very disappointing because it It was was, it was a rough one. Yeah. Because it was so mean spirited. Like it was just like not even. That's a very good point. It's like, actually, you know what? I might revise my vote for least favorite show because. George Carlin, I had such high hopes for that show yeah. because of him. Yeah. And that show was so disappointing. And and to me, it doesn't detract from the amount that I like Carlin because in like reading about the aftermath of the show, I think he recognized the mistakes that the show made, perhaps. And it, it sounds like it may have been a bit of a like career turning point for him towards some of his better work coming after that so um you know i that was that was a yeah that was a rough one to uh, okay Barry, your turn what do you what do you have to say uh yeah i was gonna throw out carlin as my yeah, least favorite one yeah. probably um but you know there was a lot of ones that i i i enjoyed that i found myself surprised by like you know i i did uh I liked the single guy. I thought yeah, that was a lot. That was a fun. Lot, yeah, a lot funnier than I was anticipating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a better um collective cast than yeah. than I, I like. You know? I liked I liked Love and War a, a bit because uh, I really liked the rhythms of it. Yeah, and I liked how it was like you know a real stage play of a show. Yeah, um, there was a lot of good stuff we did this year in general. I didn't care. You know what I didn't care for? I didn't care for the crew. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like the crew. Uh, I just I just looked down at my phone and saw a picture and I was like, oh, yeah, that I <laughs> somehow completely forgot. It was probably only two months ago. So, <laughs> yeah, 2023. I did like I did like Soul Man. So <laughs> spoilers uh, <laughs> again. 2023 has been a bit of a blur, like looking back at all the shows we reviewed. And it's a very wide variety of types of show. Like, yeah, it's hard to believe it all happened a, in one year. We covered a lot of ground this year. Like, and I hope you all like enjoyed, you know, what we brought forward. You know, we had fun. We always have fun. But I think like doing the show has become so much easier, like in terms of just getting it together. Like we've really gotten into a good groove and we've really found our, you know, well, yeah, we've really kind of found our way with it. So. Yeah, here's to another great year of podcasting. Cheers. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> now, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just, let's, uh, let's dive you know, in. Let's, let's dive let's into di- it. Dive on in and kick off this, uh, you know, three ghosts of Christmas past that is uh, <laughs> that are these shows. So. That's a yeah. great segue. <laughs> what are we doing first? I think we should kick things off with Bryn. Talking okay. to us about a very successful show yeah. that if you were, you know, alive in the 90s, you've probably seen at least some of this show. Yeah. So um, so I've selected um, Family Matters and it is season eight, 
episode 13 titled It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, which is, of course, a reference to the classic Christmas Carol. Um, And yeah, I chose this one for several reasons. Like, A, it's Family Matters. So it's like one of the most uh, popular and uh, long running sitcoms of the 90s that everyone knows. And B, I chose purposely a late season uh, episode because that's basically when this series really jumped the shark and <laughs> when things got real wacky. And uh, and I thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you were both rolling your eyes when you were watching it. <laughs> you know, like, no, because if I'm going to sit down and watch Family Matters, I don't want to watch it when it was good. I don't yeah. want to watch the shit. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, it's uh, there. there's so much many sitcoms like not even from this era but other eras that were like long running and when things just got real weird and you know the first example of this is where the term jumps the shark comes from which is happy days and the jumps the shark is basically when Fonzie literally jumps over shark with his surfboard when he's surfing or motor is it motorcycle it's a shark in a tank Oh, and he jumps it on his okay, motorcycle. Okay, so I was wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's anyway, equally dumb. It's basically uh, when you know what's even weirder is that I have a third version of it that I thought it was. Oh my gosh, I thought, is this I like a Mandela? I thought it was water effect? skis. Yeah. yeah, no, I did too. I thought it was in the water. Well, I thought it was a surfing okay. thing. Well, now we're gonna I'm, have to confirm now this. Now I'm second guessing By myself. The end of the episode, we'll confirm this. But at any rate, the whole jump the shark phenomenon is basically when they run out of ideas. Oh, Barry's right. See, it's water skis. Okay, it's water I was skis. Closest. I, I, because I've, I mean, I've seen it, so I, yeah. I knew I was. I, my brain yeah. was like, no, I've seen the episode, so like, so yeah, it's, it's that, water wow. skis. It's that it's in moment. The, it's in the ocean. It's in the. It's it like on a beach and like, yeah, yeah. It's that turning point in a sitcom that's been on for years, and they've run out of ideas, and they really need to ratchet up the the camp, and they need to like keep things. They go way too far with high concept. And things just get real wacky. And we're at this point in Family Matters. So essentially, the storyline is nor it starts off normal enough. It's the standard, you know, the Winslows are getting very excited about Christmas. And, you know, we open on their living room where there's an inexplicable amount of decorations. Like, I don't even know how Harriet stored those like every year because there's so many decorations. That house is massive. Well, it is a big house, but like it's so many decorations. Like that's like gonna be like a tower of yeah. boxes and top to bottom, wall to wall, every square inch of every has surface. Decorations. T- tinsel and lights yeah. everywhere. Garland. Yeah. So this this like you've never seen before. So this episode aired uh, I don't know if I said the date, but it aired December thirteenth, nineteen ninety six. And it could not be a more mid nineties setup because the decorations look exactly like things that I had in my home as a kid. Like it was like bright, gaudy, like red and green, everything, everything kind of like was mimicking some weird old timey theme, like some sort of like Victorian era, but yet it was still flashy somehow. So, 
Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. So we open on Harriet. She's very excitedly putting up all the decorations. And then Carl comes home and announces that this year he's going to go get a tree from the woods. And it's free. And that was like an ongoing joke with Carl where, you know, he's kind of, you know, not a. Ch- he, well, never, he never got used to the money. He ne- He's never gotten used to the money that they have. Exactly. So he's always trying to save a buck. And he's very excited because some guy that he knows has like this tr- this like like huge property with a wooded area. And he's like, yeah, go cut down an evergreen on my property. Like, no problem. Like, it's like a very heavily wooded area in some remote area. And um, yeah, so basically Carl is like immediately telling Eddie that they're going to go out together. It's this like Winslow men tradition and Steve is also there, Steve Urkel, the iconic Steve Urkel. And he is upset because he wants to be a Winslow man. He's always had this weird relationship with the family. He's never had any boundaries and just desperately wants to be a part of the Winslow clan. And so he's immediately asking to go with them. And, you know, it's like it's one of these things where it's like, why would they let Steve go with them? Eventually they give in and. But Eddie also realizes that he has a conflict because he's going to be, of course, performing as Santa at a Christmas uh, concert at a children's hospital. So, you know, because everyone was super charitable in 90s sitcoms. It's nice to see, but not necessarily realistic for a lot of like (laughs) middle class families. Uh, So basically it, it. Long story short, it ends up being just Steve and Carl, which is Carl's nightmare. Uh, They have a very, like, weird, toxic relationship where they keep putting themselves in situations together. But Carl has, like, the least amount of patience for a human being that ever existed for Steve Urkel. I truly forgotten the comic levels of Reginald Vell Johnson's rage yes. at Steve Urkel. At this point, it's just a repeating bit of Carl yeah. like blowing his top over Steve yeah. just being annoying and Steve being clumsy and it's just, you know. So um also the B plot <laughs> here's where now, it gets before, wild. Okay, before before we go in. I have the backstory is, on all this, so don't worry. This is oh yeah, but this is where I want to loop. I want to uh, before we go here. I want to see how much Aaron watched Family Matters. Okay, and, and did he know what any okay. of the fuck meant. was going on? Okay, yeah. I did watch Family Matters as a kid a lot. Um, okay, I I also want to say I enjoyed then, and I still enjoy now. Carl a yeah. lot. Yeah. I love absolutely. I love absolutely. Carl. Carl Winslow, one of the best Carl TV Winslow, dads of all time. One of the best. Yeah. Yep. Love love Carl. Love when he blows his top. Love everything yep. about him. Yeah. Um yep. now. They're all they're all I Harriet's great. Harriet, Harriet, yeah. they're, all, they're, all they're all great. All great very, performances. Very funny. All anyway, yeah. so you knew okay, yeah. so you knew what was and, going yeah. on here. And, okay. And so I it's, will say yeah, it's that, it's not one of those cases yeah, where now, Aaron just knows nothing. No, no, no. Yeah. I know a lot about the show. Yeah. Steve Urkel is a character that You couldn't not know about um, Steve Urkel and then you could not know about him. And I would say like my impression of where the show went off the rails, which was confirmed by watching this particular episode. Is oh, that, it went 
off the rails way sooner. Yeah, like, oh, yeah sooner. Like two this is seasons like seasons earlier. Yeah, yeah. This is basically like Steve Urkel was a hugely successful breakout character for a '90s sitcom. Like hugely successful. But the the thing is, but we're not talking about Steve Urkel. I know. Here, I know. <laughs> the thing is that um, yeah, out of that came uh this this whole thing of Stefan Urkel. Steve Urkel's alter ego and I knew bits and pieces of that yeah. aspect of it because I would say most of the episodes of the show that I watched as a kid were like early season syndicated episodes that were young Steve Urkel and I have memories of his uh his whole like Clark Kent into Superman Stefan Urkel thing mm -hmm. but I didn't have a clear memory of like how that unfold, how all of that unfolded, like yeah. what the what the origin of it was, how far they took it. Um, so I didn't have like a. I just knew that Stefan was like the the slick, cool guy version of him. That's like not a nerd or whatever. But like, I definitely disengaged from the show when they started to overdo the Urkel shtick, and so, um, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting so, to see this okay. representation of how far that went. So, okay, so the wild thing is, this is like a really jarring episode to randomly watch because the B-plot, as I've started teeing up, uh, is a love triangle between Laura Winslow, her current boyfriend, Curtis, and Stefan Arkell. And so I know you all are, are thinking out there, well, how could that be? How could we have Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel in the same <laughs> episode? Yes, I did think that. So essentially, I had to kind of go and like look at the previous episodes. So I had to go as far back as season seven. Yes. So <laughs> I remember I re so I, I didn't do any. I started watching the episode and I was like, oh, we're at this point. Yeah. Yeah. My note was just like, wait. Stefan is a separate person okay. now. So okay, so let's let let's backtrack even further to explain to people who possibly don't know. So Stefan Urkel, as Aaron mentioned, is the cool alter ego of Steve Urkel, and Stefan Urkel came about farther back. Like I I don't know the exact season that the first appearance of Stefan Urkel was, but basically Steve, because he's a scientific genius came up with what he called his cool gene. And it was basically this solution that would like change his like DNA or whatever and make him a, a cool, smooth uh, Lothario of a, of, a, of a young man. And basically- That he professors it. Yeah, he not he yeah. professors it. That's a very good, yep. yeah, that's a very good, um, you know- uh, Analogy. Analogy. Great. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So Steve drinks the the cool gene and then becomes Stefan Urkel and Laura Winslow immediately becomes Gaga over Stefan Urkel. And so that's like this whole complicated thing in their relationship because Steve Urkel has always been in love with Laura Winslow and she always has thought he was just too much of a nerd and never gave him the time of day. But the cool version of him, she's like desperately in love with him. So, yeah. So S Stefan Urkel kind of pops up here and there. And then eventually Steve takes his transformation technique even further and creates a chamber 
in which he can transform into Stefan and then later into Elvis Presley and then later into Bruce Lee and then all these other really ridiculous um and if the audience is, egos, and if the audience listening right now who isn't familiar nonsense. with this show yeah. if you're thinking maybe this show was just across the board something very fantastical with a no, lot of surrealist wasn't. elements it was no, meant it was to not. be a grounded about five, sitcom about five seasons deep is when it starts going off the rails yeah yeah so okay so now we're at the point in in the season where um, okay, and again, we have to go, we have to jump ahead now to season seven. So this, the season finale of season seven, uh, Steve comes to a, a new scientific uh, breakthrough where he is now able to clone. So oh, Steve no. clones himself and then wreaks havoc on the Winslow family because, the, oh my gosh, there's two Steves, so it's double the annoyance, double the trouble. And then Laura comes up with a scheme that, okay, here's the perfect solution because, of course, I think Myra's in the picture at this point in, Steven's, er, in season seven, and Myra is actually in love with Steve. So she loves Steve Urkel for who he is. Laura is still obsessed with uh, Stefan or Kel. So there's always this push and pull of like, which version will he be and which woman will he or like be with? And then Laura just suggests that they change the clone into a permanent <laughs> Stefan or Kel. So that's what they end up doing. So, wow. yeah. So he gets to live a whole separate life as Stefan or Kel. Yeah. And, and then just becomes a reoccurring character yeah, on the show. So Stefan becomes a permanent fix. That's so much dumber than I thought it yeah, would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I real assumed, dumb. I assumed. But wait for it. You're not, we're not even out of the woods yet. Oh, no. okay. Because then at the beginning of season eight, <laughs> okay, Steve then has another uh, breakthrough and is able to trans, like to transport people with another machine. No. Yeah, so he's able to send people across the world to Paris. Why? So he sends himself and the entire Winslow family and Stefan no. to Paris. No. And it's a three-part episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, and so basically what happens by the end of the three-parter is Stefan is recruited to be a, a model, a male a model. model. A model. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and decides to live in Milan to pursue the dream what? and breaks Laura's heart and Laura has to go back to the States. And then we're now, the rest of the season is Laura then kind of dating this Curtis guy as a rebound from her heartbreak from Stefan in her like long distance thing. And then he, Stefan comes back in this episode that we're talking about now. So that's why it's like a love triangle. And even before that, there was like a love triangle with Curtis because her friend Maxine was also into Curtis. <laughs> so it was like this whole thing where Laura has this complicated love life. Poor Laura, you know. Poor Laura. The man of her dreams is simply a clone of her annoying childhood neighbor. Oh. And, you know, it's- But how does all, but how does all that end? Do you remember? Well, they eventually get engaged in Disney World. I remember that. Oh no, Steve! St that is, Stephon. but that is no, uh, Steve. Yes, sorry, 
Stefan proposes, Steve and Laura end up being the ones engaged. She chooses Steve over Stefan. I don't remember what? that part, but yeah, that so is that's, wild. The, the show basically ends with Steve and Laura have finally gotten together. Uh, the next season was going to be their wedding, but they were canceled. So. Uh, and so, <laughs> and, and, and just so I can confirm this. But, so Steve Urkel and Laura get engaged. Stefan Urkel in this scenario still exists as a cool guy that's clone. That's correct. And he is but presumably he end up? off cavorting with whomever well, else. I mean, you, we he's see that he does. He's an international man of we, Yeah, like, we see that he does mystery. just fine on yeah. his own. Yeah, he's doing yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, he's getting offered ma- modeling contracts left and right. But like. I forgot that he's not like. I think I, I expected to tune in and be like, yeah, man, Urkel. He's not that cool. No, he's so dorky. <laughs> I this is what's wild. After we watched this episode, I had to watch the clip of the first, like that first episode with Stefan, where you know they're they're they have the party and he's kind of sed- seducing her with his dance moves, and I'm like, yeah. this is literally the dorkiest thing I've ever he's, seen. He's not. I, yes, I it's remember him. So, but at the I, time, we were supposed to believe, like, whoa, this guy's smooth well, and he's cool. I think and, when I was, I think when I was twelve or thirteen yeah, yeah. or whatever, I did think he was cool. Yeah. But watching I it think, now, I'm like, um. This is just someone tr- He's like, like Pepe Le Pew in human life form. Like- but, al- but also it's so tr- <laughs> it's, but, but also it's so try hard. Like yeah, someone yeah. who's someone who's actually cool doesn't need to put on such a show. Yeah. Like doesn't n- me. need to act like such an intense presence in the room. Yeah. He's just annoying in a different way from yeah, Steve Urkel. Yeah. He just has And be- he dresses like not a normal teenager. He's, He's wearing these like big boxy no. 90s blazers well, that an R&B singer would t- <laughs> which was partly just the style at the time. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know what it is? It's like you know the trope <laughs> in movies or TV shows where it's usually a trope that they do with women where there's like a woman who has like glasses and her hair's in a bun and she takes off the glasses and she lets her hair down yeah. and suddenly everyone thinks that now she's beautiful. That's what Stefan Urkel is. Yeah. It's just Steve Urkel takes off the glasses, st- takes off the suspenders, and stands up straight. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Uh, part, part of me, I've always wondered, and, you know, I could look, but I'm not going to. It's yeah. family matters. Part of me wonders is, so the show is getting big and big and big, and obviously Urkel is the reason. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, Huge. Urkel didn't even start, like, the show doesn't introduce Urkel for, for a few episodes it's into true, it. It's right? true, yeah. He's not there from the beginning. Yeah. But he becomes the big breakout, and they have merchandising and all that. Part of me wonders if Urkel is, uh, if it was Jaleel White's idea, mostly to being starting to worry about his career. Yeah, it could have been. Right? It, it really like, could have been. Because you know, he... showing that he's not this guy. Like, Urkel, oh my God, like, He's next level, like annoying, and like even yeah. as a kid, like how I love Family Matters, but even as a kid, I remember not liking Urkel. Uh, yeah, like you, I wasn't there be, for Urkel; yeah. I was there for the family. You would be annoyed with him, like he yeah. he was. It was I was like right there with the Winslows. I was like rolling my eyes every time he would come yeah. in, and like but it is such an involved performance. Yeah, that you can't deny that it's a great sitcom character. And, yeah, like, he's because so it's good so there. singular. You yeah. know, like yeah. and you can't deny the talent of uh, of the performance. I mean, the slapstick choreography is exceptional. Yeah. Oh man, him him destroying the 
just like destroying the the all the presents, the pile of presents, yeah, yeah. yeah, in like thirty seconds, yeah, genius, Gen- yeah, yeah, it, it was it, a great. He's very good at playing that very so, annoying character. Okay, so we have to get into the rest of the episode. We went on a big tangent because we had to. Frankly, we, we had, had to. to. We had to explain the whole reason why Stefan and Steve were. Still, you know, in the same. Yeah. I wish the whole episode was. I, I wish our whole episode was about this episode. So yes, <laughs> let's just let's, so let's keep going forward. Okay, so Steve and Carl head to the like whatever you would call it. The it's not really a lot. It's, it's like the a, woods. It's the it's deep, basically the deep woods, woods that the is deep woods with the the absolute realist back. <laughs> Backdrop I've ever okay. seen. So okay, so this is great that you you mentioned this because at first, at the very first glance, I was like, "Oh, this is a very like elaborate set, like good for them." But then, like in certain shots, you could see that it was like a painted backdrop. Like it was. I almost like, expected like to have like, like, a like Carl like leaning on it, yeah, yeah and then not notice. <laughs> so it's like fully like this like wood woodland mural that's like painted like an elaborate painted backdrop and then they put some yeah. real some real looking trees in front of it and it's like oh my god people worked really hard on this like yeah. you know but you the can depth of field is all so wrong. wrong yeah yeah i remember so in, oh my god in, i don't know if this would have made it better but i remember yeah. in the days when shows started getting remastered into hd and the thing that people were commenting on the most was like you could see the the makeup on the yeah. actors' faces. You could see yeah. like details like that. But really, that's nothing compared to how weird it is to see an obvious flat two dimensional painted backdrop that, yeah. like, on our crappy standard definition VHS quality TV broadcasts at the time. It was fine. It was, it was probably fine. fine. It was completely fine. We bought we bought that it was the woods. You know, yeah. Like, there were no pixels to spare yeah. where you could yeah. see that. Problem, yeah, but yeah. oh yeah, but so seeing this funny. in glorious HD, yeah, oh man, it was crisp. <laughs> it was crisp. Uh, so okay, so they go out to the woods and they find, you know, the tree, and predictably, Steve's being really annoying, and 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 uh, Carl's like flipping out on him left and right. They finally they they find the tree that they like, and they're about to cut it down, and. Uh, they do, and there's like this kind of scuffle between the two of them because Steve really wants to cut it down with the axe, and he's like, "Which, by the way, I don't think you normally use an axe to yeah. cut down a Christmas tree." Well, use a saw, you know. Anyway, so they they find their tree, and then they realize that it has been snowing pretty hard the entire time that they've been out there, so their tracks are going to be covered, and they won't be able to find it, like find their way back to the car. So essentially they get lost and they're going back and forth like when it cuts back like obviously this is intercut with all the scenes with the love triangle Laura does eventually break up with Curtis for Stefan she makes her big decision after some sage advice from Harriet wherein Harriet talks about her own love triangle so it's like lots of love triangles in this show but it is anyway uh yeah so it gets later and, you know, they're getting to they're starting to panic because they're they really cannot find their way back. And they end up back where they were, where the tree they took down the tree because they find Steve's scarf that he left behind. So, you know, they they decide, OK, well, we need to stop and take a rest. We need to light a fire. We need to, like, 
you know, warm up and take a rest because we're not finding a car anytime soon. So they do that. And there's all this shtick with, you know, they only have a couple matches and Steve sneezes one out and like it's, you know, like the the predictable but, stuff. And they have a sentimental heart they to have heart. A, they have a heart to heart where basically I think it's because they think they're going to die. And Steve is like, you know, Carl, you're like the person I admire the most in the world. And Carl's incredulous because he's like, I'm so mean to you. Yeah. <laughs> But it touches Carl because Carl is, you know, yes, he's grumpy with Steve. But at the end of the day, he's like a warm hearted person. So they have a nice little moment. And of course, the uh, the score just does all the heavy lifting of telling you what to feel because it's like that yeah. sassy saxophone yeah. that the sassiest yeah. of saxophones yeah, where it's it's telling you, you know, oh, you Sad should sex. feel. Yeah, you should feel like really sentimental now. Uh, and then. Then ultimately they get out because Steve notices like the stars, the sky has cleared. It's like a clear night sky and Steve can clearly see the constellations and this helps guide their way back to the um, car. And then he makes this comment, which I found kind of funny and perplexing because he's like, Carl's like, uh, oh, like what? I don't know what Carl says, but he's like, but. Steve says, this is like a Christmas miracle, courtesy of the big, big guy. And when he says big, big guy, it's because he calls Carl big guy. So Steve is referring to a different, more important big he guy. He points to the sky and, and says I'm, the big, big guy. And I'm like, does he mean God or does he mean yes, Santa? He means God. He like, means this God. is not a Christian show. Like, it's very weird. He but... might have meant Santa. Yeah. He means God. No, he means God. Yeah, I guess. Uh... Sitcoms in the '90s were very, very. They, it they were so Catholic that they didn't even need to specify it anymore. <laughs> it was just ingrained into all of them. Hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, so they they get home finally, and then it's like the whole family is gathered in the living room, and they're decorate. They've it's like late at night, and they've decorated the tree, and they start singing "Oh Christmas Tree." And Steve, for whatever reason, is crashing there again. So he goes no, like, he lives, upstairs. He, no, he lives there now. Does he? What? Yeah, his parents ditched him like halfway through the show and he moves in with the oh, Winslows. Okay, so I have to then do a sidebar to one of my questions that I wrote down. So they down. can just never escape him. Can, can I yeah. ask then, <laughs> do we, when I say we, the audience, ever meet Urkel's parents no, on this show? Never. No, I don't believe so. No. But the I joke is that his parents so. hate him, and it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, they they moved. I, God, wow, I, remember. I think they moved to Russia. What randomly they say they moved to Russia and they leave him there, and then yeah. uh, the winds the Winslows take him in. Oh, he lives in the basement because remember that's where all his that's where all his inventions are. Oh, that is, yeah, right? that is where but the he inventions goes upstairs, are. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he lives in Judy's room because she ain't there no more. Yeah, Judy is the middle <laughs> daughter that mysteriously disappeared. And Rich, didn't Richie like disappear or? Ah, uh, they mentioned him in this. They episode, mention though. him, but he's like not shown at all. So it's like well, his, very... mo his mom's not there. Yeah, so it's like what happened to Aunt Rachel? Like, well, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> a lot of people like disappeared, and like it's just it's like a, a vortex in that <laughs> house. <laughs> wow. But yet, you know, they have all these like. Steve, like Stefan and yeah. Steve's alter so, egos. So, uh, aside from the whole, all the shenanigans around Stefan or Kel, 
this was a this was a like when you take that aspect of it out, this was yeah. a classic example of a yeah. ni- 90s special episode yeah. with like for sure almost like double bottle episode sort of thing with the with the sentimental moralizing and the heart yeah, to heart. There's always a disaster that lost somewhere, stuck yeah, that somewhere. Keeps them yeah. from like some aspect of Christmas festivities or threatens Christmas festivities. And that's what happened in this case where, you know, there's the threat of Carl and Steve freezing to death in the woods. And, you know, uh, they have to get back. And, you know, there's some sort of like, moral like some like miracle or some moral moment where like they come together in a time of you know crisis yeah and that's like a very standard sort of storyline for especially this era but i think any sitcom that does a holiday episode that's that's the direction they go to where it's like the true meaning of christmas is your relationships with people and you know, telling people you care about them and blah, blah, Making blah. Making good, good moral decisions. Yeah, and, yeah. And <laughs> so I think it, to, that, to that end, this was a very good choice for an iconic archetypal thing. Well, you're welcome. Thing. But I mostly did it for the whole Stefan thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I also just want to say, like, you yeah. know what bumped for me was after Laura comes to the recognition that she needs to break it off with one of these two guys. Yeah. They don't show the scene. We, we ran too long. Yeah, they don't yeah. show a scene between her and Curtis. Instead, they show a scene between Curtis and Stefan Urkel, where Curtis is angrily confronting Stefan Urkel and the whole like jealousy of her choosing him. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like the the much more appropriate payoff for would be seeing would Laura, see Laura do the right thing, do the right and, thing. and like break so it off and I tell was, him the truth. I was so I get I guess they're setting up future plot lines of like Urkel and Curtis. Right, having like, like are a they rivalry? Tr- yeah, are I they guess. trying to set up because I was that was the part of all of the things in this episode that shocked yeah. me the most was the decision to not show her payoff. Yeah. Like it was that. weird. It that was weird. weird. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do yeah. have to say, so yeah, we had the speech or the nice, nice scene with uh, Carl and Steve. It was a ni- it's a nice moment. It really is. Uh, yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, like or, or even Urkel saying like, you know, like after he's like, oh, you've been so mean. I've been so mean to you over the years. And he's like, I think overall you've been like, n- nobody's been more decent to me than you. And you're like, you know, he's taken him into his home and yeah. treats him like family, even though he hates him. Um, I really liked the scene with Harriet and Laura where Harriet is telling uh, a story. Uh, She gives like a nice dramatic monologue. Yeah. But man, did I start getting mad when they were queuing up the music? Because I was like, yeah, she's carrying this. Yeah. Yeah. Just let Harriet. She has the weight in her voice. She gives a great like, you know, it's a hundred percent. Joe Joe Marie Payton is is Harriet, and she's great as always because she's funny, and then she can turn on the serious like that. Yeah, and then yeah, they start the halfway through her monologue. You know, like the 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 sad music starts coming, and I'm like, stop it. We know she was yeah, she was an iconic TV mom as well. So I was just saying like the Winslows, Harriet and Carl. Three cheers to you guys. Absolutely. Best yeah. TV parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they are for all that we might be ragging on on the Steve Stefan thing. <laughs> the parents in this show, yeah. they they're doing their job. They 
They yeah. they never like in qual- qualitatively, they never falter. They never. It's ju- not even Reginald J- Bell Johnson's worst Christmas. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's just like I'm. Just glad I'm not working Nakatomi Plaza. Exactly. Today. Is he in any in the sequels? He's in the second one. Okay. Well, we're gonna watch that this year. Aaron and I are gonna watch. Yeah, yeah. Die another Hard too. S- another small aside, but I was gonna I was gonna ask you, Barry, if there was a particular. Christmas movie you're definitely going to be watching this year because we're definitely going to be watching Die Hard 2, which will be Bryn's first viewing of Die Hard 2. Oh, oh, yeah. I, uh, I went and saw Die Hard at the review on uh, Friday, so nice. I've already, nice. already started. But, you know, We watched Christmas. Home Alone last night. Home so, Alone. I'm gonna watch yeah. Home Alone. Yeah. I'm gonna watch Muppet Christmas Carol yeah. as always. We, we uh, watched Muppet Christmas Carol at my brothers when we did the tree shopping first that's become the tradition when we decorate yeah. their tree at their place we watch muppets christmas carol oh and mm-hmm. and we're uh, way more into it than my 4 year old nephew like absolutely. All, all of the absolutely. adults there are way more into it and we're always like looking over at him like huh and uh, uh. <laughs> he's just like just like looking at a tablet I, you know I, I, get, I get it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like okay. let's move on. Moving so that on. was our quote unquote successful sitcom. So now let's talk about an unsuccessful sitcom. Uh I believe that is uh that's teeing you up, Barry. All right. So uh as I teased a little earlier, uh we did another episode of Soul Man starring Dan Aykroyd as the motorcycle wearing uh, you know, Cool guy priest, uh, <laughs> my, uh, uh, Mike Weber. Uh, so it was a this was a pretty, like, pretty uh, again, tropey. I feel like I've seen Very this tropey, kind of yeah. story before. Uh, basically, a little bit of a take on It's a Wonderful Life yeah. in a weird way, yeah, but not, but not the fantastical elements of It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. So basically, the story is, uh, you know, uh, Mike takes his kids to the mall to see Santa. Uh, and there he encounters a very grumpy elf uh, gentleman playing an elf um, at Santa's workshop who is like, you know, very uh, he's, makes everybody stick to the rules. And uh, he's just a, has a bad attitude. He's very unpleasant. Uh, and then, very salty. Very unpleasant. And Mike tries really hard to just sort of like smooth things over with this guy but then eventually kind of loses his cool and just starts giving it back to him just as just as good and then uh the elf kicks the kids out of out of line at santa and then mike uh gives him you know or this is obviously a little out of order mike gives him his card and says like it sounds like you're going through a really hard time you know come see me anytime and I can talk to you about counseling or something like that. Yeah. You, you know, that's one thing we see with this character is that he is much more, he, he definitely embraces the counselor side of a, of a, of a priest uh, or a reverend rather. Um, so they go back to the house and then the elf is uh, at the top of the church threatening to jump. And Mike has to talk him down off of the uh, proverbial ledge. And, uh, you know, the most of the last half of the episode is just the two of them sitting on the church, just having a bit of a heart to heart. Mike's afraid of heights. So we get some funny elements to that. Uh, And then there's a great employment of Chekhov's trampoline where uh, (laughs) in the very first scene, we are told that Mike is getting a trampoline for his daughter for Christmas. 
And then that leads the uh, at the end of the episode, the other pre uh, the is he another reverend or is he a deacon? I can't remember. I wasn't I was half half watching this uh, <laughs> uh, falls off of the uh, off of the church and hits the trampoline. And yeah. I remember just almost being mad at myself for not realizing that they'd been setting that up the entire yeah. episode. Because they even sort of sprinkled it in later on that all the, oh, the trampolines out back now or something like that, and I was just like, "Can't believe you got me! Yeah, can't believe you got me!" Mm. So yeah, it was weird because uh, you know Dan Aykroyd's always enjoyable as he is here. Yeah, it 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 was an interesting contrast to say to the family matters where like none of the emotional stuff in this episode works. Um, and yeah, I don't it's feel very like serious. It's a very it, serious plot line, but it you can't take it seriously. Yeah, because it, it, like it, even when it is serious, like I don't, I know they're trying to keep things light, but like it, it's almost too jokey, but or not jokey enough. Like it, it, none, nothing. It's not really funny. Yeah, I know, um, I know exactly what you mean. Like, it's, but it thinks it's trying to be, and I was like, look, if you want to have a special episode, just do you know, Ackroyd can act. You know, just yeah. have him seriously counsel the guy instead of like continuing to joke the entire exactly. time they're up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Like it I was surprised at the dark turn that the show takes yeah. into that very serious theme. You know, I actually thought the 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 confrontation at the mall between uh, you know, Ackroyd's character uh and the grumpy mall elf. Okay, was... by the way, is that Mark Lynn uh Yeah, Mark Lynn Baker. Baker? Yeah. 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 yeah Cousin was. Larry as... himself. Yeah. So I th- from Perfect Strangers. Okay, that's where I recognized him as, as Gumdrop. Yeah, Gumdrop, so the the elf. I found their their argument at the mall pretty entertaining, and uh, so I was surprised to to see that dark turn. And then when it goes into that serious thing, you know, we when we reviewed this show, we talked about that episode with John Goodman. Yeah, where mm. he had some really like dark, troubling things that he was going through, and. Mike is trying to counsel him through it with a lot of difficulty. And apart from the fact that they suddenly break into song at the end, <laughs> uh, for the most part, that worked surprisingly well because of the strength mm-hmm. of both of them as actors. And we talked about how John Goodman, if you want someone who's like really serious and hurting, like a tragic clown sort of character where there's elements that are still funny, but you can tell that the pain is it feels genuine. Mm-hmm. Great. And in this case, it was kind of like, I agree with what you said, like they could have gone funnier and made it more like yeah. just a really dark comedy. Like, it was, mm-hmm. I found or more, it. Yeah. Or more or serious. More serious. Yeah. Or more serious and cut it, out the jokes. I found it a little dark that he had to basically downplay the situation to his kids. Like they should have just left the kids out of it. But like basically yeah. he kept like making up things like he's trying to like convince his kids that it was just oh we're just kind of like playing a game like there's not nothing like he was just trying to like it's like elves can jump yeah because they're magical and uh at one point one of the kids comes out again and is like you know dad like you know what's going on you're still up there and he tells his son that it's gumdrop's birthday because that's one of the things revealed in 
you know, and then his son very sweetly wishes him happy birthday and kind of sings for him. This was kind of a nice moment, but I'm also like, that's fucked up to make your it's kid. Really, it's to, really fucked to up. To have yeah. your kid be the thing that like, you're, you know, you're using yeah. your kid to try to get this guy to not kill himself. Like, it's just. Yeah. Because it's like, like, it's like, look, someone cares about you. It's like, like, that's, you know, there's plenty of people that care about you. And I'm like, it's. You're like kind really of sweet, the, but the, it's kind of fucked up because later in life, your kid's gonna be like, "Hey, what was up with that elf?" And then he's like, "Oh, he's about to kill what, himself." That's, that's what repression's all about. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I and like I just don't feel like they really. I don't know. I mean, Christmas is a very hard time of year for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we see a lot of that. I, I think it's important to see that in the media. Uh, and we do. It, I agree, you know, it's a yeah. common theme that runs through holiday things. It's not always happy go lucky, especially for people who are on their own uh, or don't have, uh, you know, as much family anymore. And it's very hard, very hard, especially, you know, not just Christmas specifically, but the holiday season because everybody is gathering and stuff yeah. and you're seeing things you don't have and yada, yada, and yada, And it's yada, like yada. The, the end of a year. So you start looking back at like, yeah, you just and naturally I, and, get yeah. into this mode that's like a little morose and like. And it's dark and cold and you're stuck inside, which yeah, doesn't yeah. help. It's dark and cold and you're stuck inside. And I spent 30 seconds saying that stuff like off the top of my head. And I feel like that hit on more points than the show did. Yeah. And which would have come from a writer's yeah. room full of people who yeah. who were like, like, if you don't want to tell a story about how sad this guy is, then don't tell that story. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally uh, agree. If they wanted to tell that story. But they just wanted him to save the cat again. You yeah. know, they just really wanted yeah. Mike Weber yeah. to be a hero. It was again, more about you know? Mike Weber than about yeah. the guy who's suffering. And it's kind of like, I agree. If they wanted to tell that story, there are lots of good reasons to tell that kind of story in a holiday yeah. episode of a sitcom. Yeah. This didn't feel like they actually wanted to tell that yeah, story. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not there yet. But yeah, yeah, like for me to watch an episode of Family Matters, which is very silly, but then also have like two scenes in it, which had serious emotions in it and me be like, Family Matters got it better yeah it's that's true probably that's probably not a good I, sign i think that that's <laughs> how yeah that's how serious you should be in a sitcom about christmas where it's like <laughs> it's literally just it's simple it's low stakes it's like people are talking about okay, yeah. acknowledging how much they care about each other yeah. and that they're you know there's sort of some acknowledgement of maybe mistreating each other and that in the spirit of yeah. the holidays we should be better to each other and yeah Express our and that's a safer route to go. Gumdrop also disappears. Yeah, like you, they're all so the scene. You know, they get they talk him off because the kid sings to him and he's like, "See, people care about you," which I don't know if that's a really relevant point. Uh, but then like the next scene is like you know the the credit scene and they're all talking, you know, getting ready for the dinner the next day, and you're just like, I don't know, why didn't you invite Gumdrop? Yeah. Like, why, why weren't, why, like, I know that's the cliche thing to do. Yeah. But sometimes the cliche is necessary yeah. to satisfy the story. Yeah. Like, well, and to he make sure been... that guy doesn't actually kill himself. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Also, no, no, you're... also, also, yeah. yes. You're right. The guy had no one to spend the holidays with. Right. So, yeah. rather, so if we follow the show don't tell formula of, of great uh, screenwriting, 
yeah, they needed to actually demonstrate yeah. giving him someone to spend yeah. the holidays with, not just saying a few nice words to like back him away from the edge. And also, we haven't talked about, so we talked about the dark turn. We didn't talk about the fart turn. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? So, okay. Was... I, hate, I hate a fart joke. Uh, I, I'm I'm on the record as saying yeah. I, I really do hate a fart joke. I thought this was a pretty good one, especially because I think again was that a, a callback to, though? It's a cliche way to take it. I feel like it, so. Okay, so the whole thing is you know it, it's a big breakthrough moment. Uh, Mike is talking a gumdrop about you know to feel you know the spirit in the air because everybody it's a night where everybody's dreams are you know, on display and everybody's feeling love and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it's like this big thing. And then Mike farts uh, and like, it's a very awkward moment. And honestly, like I felt like the script, I thought they were going to laugh and yeah. that would be what kind of snaps the guy out of yeah, it. To break the tension, yeah, yeah. to break Literally, the tension, yeah. but they don't do that. They yeah. just let it sit there. And I was like, then why, then why do it? Yeah. 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 Like, it's only like I again, I hate a fart joke, uh, but I, you know, but also farts are funny. And yeah, it would have That might have been a moment where like, you know, here's this guy trying to give his all to talk this yeah. guy off of a ledge and he farts. Yeah. And the, you know, like, he, he says all these great things and it's the fart yeah. that does it. You know what yeah. I always find hilarious is vomit. So I was very disappointed. to. <laughs> I was very disappointed that the kid we didn't see him barf on santa like it was no, off- we, we only we were only told it was we off only camera told. and i was really i felt cheated because i <laughs> nothing gets me more than a really well-timed barf like i love it like i you heard, you heard it here first I'm the, I'm the same way yeah i love a I love a good barf it just it feels I don't know if it's because it's so comedically cathartic or or what the deal is but if someone just like like barfs out of nowhere like and it's i just I, i'm yeah. obsessed it it gets me it sends me into the giggles mm. immediately uh, a couple little uh reactions little su- side notes about this show um obviously we would probably know this if we had watched several interim episodes between the ones that we reviewed and this one but mm. glenda the woman yeah, in his home with the slightly from? ambiguous accent who's like um then uh, kind of caps off the episode lecturing about. I think uh, she's around. I think she's around. I think she's. Uh, wor- I think she works for the church. Okay. So she's like cooking so them she's dinner. She's cooking and- dinner and she is, I think we are to presume a vegetarian and doesn't want to prepare a ham, which is what they've all requested for dinner. And she wants to make some sort of lentil loaf. And to make, Which made me so sad to hear. To like, make ugh, the point. I feel bad for them. But to make the point to the kids, she brought a baby piglet to the house and introduced it to the kids so yeah. that they would fall in love with a cute little pig. And then the implication would be, I'd have to slaughter this pig in order for you to have ham. And I thought that was... That was a lot to tack on as a button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's it not, was because not a so subplot. I, That's a button. I feel I feel like it must have been a B plot that got yeah. basically maybe in it the, got cut down in the yeah. edit. They were like, right. we only have time 
to just shove this into the credit right. because okay. yeah. we let a few of the other scenes go long. Yeah, yeah okay, maybe uh, that's probably. what happened. Actually, the weird. whole episode was a little, there was a few bits where I was like, I feel like we're skipping along here. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I also just want to note that um, uh, the elf, um, Gumdrop the elf, uh, in the confrontation at the department store, says yada, yada, yada. And so, of course, I had to look it up. This episode aired December 16th, 1997, mere months after Seinfeld introduced the expression yada, yada, yada did, to the no, world in April. No, they didn't introduce it to Aaron, the world. Yada, yada, yada. That same year. Yada, yada, yada has existed for yeah, y- yada, well yada, yada, yada. No, but, yeah, but, but that Seinfeld episode made it very popular for people to say at that time. I don't think you can make that connection. I think... I, th- I think that's a reach. No, I think that this show airing six months after, I think it's playing off of Hooray. the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> I think sitcom writers watch sitcoms. I think that's, I mean, I think that's a reach because yeah. I think the whole thing about the Yada Yada episode is that it's a thing that people say. Yeah. And her, they're commenting because on something nobody that says people what's say. yada yada yada. They say you can't yada yada over sex, you know? Like yeah. I'm not they s- know what they already it's a common saying. I'm, so it I, was their constant employment of it that made it fun. Well, I'm not saying that no one had ever said it before. I'm just saying that I think that this sitcom writing that line was a reference. That's my I think so. I will I, let you have you your can own headcanon. Sure, I will Aaron. let you have your own headcanon for that. Fine. That is, that fine. is fine. <laughs> I feel like this was a very disappointing episode of television. Uh, <laughs> it was the first episode of the three things that we watched, uh, that I watched. So you, I, I imagine we all watched these in different orders. Yeah. Uh, this did not get me off to a good foot, like good start. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be torture. Yeah. But then- I like the nanny one, and I like the family matters one. So, well, right. uh, then let's let's, let's move dive it on. Into Speaking the nanny. of the nanny, uh, finally we come to my pick: the wild card show, an episode with a weird format, uh, and I have chosen a very special episode of the nanny called "Oi to the World," which is officially season three, episode fourteen. What makes this episode so unusual? It's fully animated from top to bottom in the same cartoon style as the opening credits of the show. So for anyone who's familiar with The Nanny, you can imagine what that would look like. It originally aired December 18th, 1995. It's also interesting, I just realized that the three shows that we chose were 95, 96, and 97. Uh, Three consecutive years. uh, And all released like in the December teens of their respective years, which is not surprising. Anyway. In this fully animated episode of The Nanny, Brighton, the boy for whom she's a nanny of... Who's always the brat of the three yeah, kids. Uh, ...is acting selfishly, and Fran wants him to be generous of spirit, a.k.a. learn the true meaning of Christmas. On their way to a homeless shelter to volunteer, they're hit with a gust of wind, causing Fran to go on a journey into a fantasy world after a classic bonk on the noggin. <laughs> so... She travels to the North Pole with Brighton and her dog Chester, who can now talk, and uh, they go to save Christmas from the Ice Queen or Abominable Babcock, who is a representation of Cece Babcock, 
Fran's chief antagonist in the series. I should also cut in to mention that it's not like it becomes animated after she gets the bonk on the head. This episode the whole is, thing is animated, animated yeah. from the start, even before that. So, and then Niles as well is like multiple characters. Yeah, so, so he's like a talking snowman, and he's an elf, yeah, so, and he's like a. So, I'll, I'll get yeah. to that. So, so Maxwell Sheffield is basically Santa, and Niles is some sort of uh, Elvis-inspired singing elf, but also a whole host of other sort of Santa's workshop yeah. characters. In the end. Fran needs to warm Cece's icy heart by showing her some kind of kindness, and that comes through setting her up on a date after realizing that she's lashing out at Christmas because she's lonely. So, there's my capsule description yeah. of the oh, very, show. Oh, very well described. Um, um, yeah. It, yeah. I, Either I, of you can jump in now well, and I just, react. I generally liked it. I thought it was very kitschy and cute. Like it was very like campy and it kind of a lot of it was like, you know, based on classic Christmas specials and Christmas movies like the, you know, like the style of Rudolph and um the like um Rank, rank and Bess. Yes, yes. That whole um, grouping of Christmas classics. So it was very, I, I thought it was very cute. Like I especially loved like the animation of the, the abdom abominable Babcock. Like I thought that was funny. Like the way the character was styled. Uh, and actually the animation was just awesome. Like it was just like very cool, like visually, especially the backgrounds as well. Yeah. Like I thought it was like stylistically really well done. So I'm curious if you like looked up who animated this uh, I, thing i didn't i should have um, because it looked really it was very fun like it was like a very like stylized like it wasn't like the house like the sheffield's house looked so cool like it was like well and it's a retro style of yeah. animation that that also kind of reminds me of the jetsons or something that's just yeah, like yes. it's like a mid-century mid modern, modern kind of like flavor to it yeah, yeah. like so it's the, it's it's really fun the visual style for me was a huge win and uh also just like the overall concept was a lot of fun well the so the guy that she finally sets uh babcock up with is is called the rain man which is basically the dustin hoffman character from rain man which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm like, at this point, that movie is very old. That like, was, it wasn't like a fresh That was officially reference. the dumbest reference or, yeah. or, or joke in the whole episode. Um, oh, I, like, I liked it. But it, I, it was, I, I, I like definitely chuckled at it, but yeah. I was kind of like, well, really? I don't know. I mean, this the, is the your whole best. thing, she's the ice queen. He's the rain, rain man, also up in the sky controlling the weather or whatever. But I don't know. I thought that was dumb, but overall, the animation's very cute. The concept is a lot of fun. I personally found a lot of the jokes felt like forced to me and, and not as funny as I usually find this show to be. And I think what it is, is that like, especially with, uh, with Fran Fine, with Fran Drescher's character, mm -hmm. one of the things I, I like about the nanny, because she does a lot of like kind of random quips and asides and non sequiturs mm -hmm. and jokes that are just like... Little commentaries on things that are not necessary. Pop culture pop references, culture references. And things, stuff, yeah. things that are not totally necessary to the plot, little funny asides. Mm -hmm. And I think that her performance of those jokes, yes, people think of her as like having a funny voice, 
But mm-hmm. I want to propose that her body language and facial expressions are the most winning part of why her delivery yeah. of those jokes works. So you works. missed out on that with animated I Fran. missed out on that okay. because this animated style, while very cute and awesome artistically, is not emotionally detailed the way that animation in some sort of dedicated long-running cartoons hone a way of like putting enough detail into the facial expressions to really sell the jokes. I'm thinking like The Simpsons or whatever, where... For me, it felt like, yeah, artistically, it's a cool visual, but it really kind of it was very flat in the sense that it disconnected the delivery of the jokes for me. So the jokes just became about as funny as if I like read them off of a piece of paper. Yeah. And so for me, like a lot of those like funny quips and asides just didn't land as being as funny. And I think it's because I was missing her facial expressions, especially hers. But um that said, you know, I don't think this is from lack of effort. It lo- yeah. looks like a lot of work went into this. It was, oh, it would have been yeah. it would have been fairly pricey. Um, yeah, it, I, it looks like it was pulled. I don't. It doesn't look like they aired it in syndication and just ended up putting it as yeah. an extra on a on the DVD set. So it basically mm-hmm. aired that one time, and I think they didn't air it with their regulars going forward. Yeah, it was uh, the animation was very very well done. I really appreciate it. I I appreciate when. Uh, a show like this does a switch to animation, but really embraces it as animation. Like, yeah. it wasn't an animated, like, down to earth thing. Yeah. Like, right from the the start, it's very, very wacky. Whimsical. And they're doing things, <laughs> yeah. even in the house when it's just them, they're doing things that are already very, very silly and yeah. very over the top. And it, and you said the Jetsons very much reminded me of the Jetsons. Yeah. Uh, well, the they, Hanna, you know, the Hanna Barbera style of yeah. like, you know, pratfalls and 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 talking yeah. animals and whatnot. So it was, yeah. it was very cute. Um, I think all you're talking about with that is honestly, and this is something that only now is becoming a little bit easier. Animation is such a long, arduous process for for these kind of things. That one of the things that I always noticed uh, with animation growing up is it was very hard to make it looks spontaneous and those yeah. type of asides mm-hmm. and things are meant to, even if they are written, they're meant to feel like improv lines. You're, um, you're exactly right. That's, yeah. that's they're exactly built in. right. Yeah. So I've noticed it more and more in, 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 in current animated things that they're able to do it. And I think it's a lot of it is because, uh, you know, they're recording and they're recording with each other. Yeah. Now, instead yeah. of say like recording in a in a booth by yourself, um, if there's nobody to do an aside to, it's not going to sound right. Oh, you're so uh, totally right. That's what it is. It's like a great sitcom would do those weird asides and you feel almost like maybe it's being improvised in the moment. And it's and, the and it's the energy, between the energy. The performers. Yeah, you're right. But really? You're, you're yeah. so right. And, and, and an animated show that does that pretty well that I've watched recently is Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers does it very well. For example, yeah. especially uh, Gene has yeah. lots of like the Gene character has tons of like random little quips and they always land. And yeah. you're right. It's probably because the actor did it in a room with the other performers or something like there. There's yeah. the spontaneity comes through in not just the voice, but also yeah. the visual style, the editing, the pacing, everything. Yeah. 
They learned yeah, to make it like work. And like John John Benj- John Benjamin's like reaction noises to Dean or Gene's quips yeah. and stuff are always just absolute perfection, and they just feel so real and like yeah. So yeah. in this case, I don't think it's anyone's fault. The animation no. is great. The performers are great. It's just getting that to work. Yeah, that's a challenge, and and maybe at that time it was not. It was yeah. pretty difficult to pull that off, but. This definitely reminded me of a very, you know, basically a later one of the all time great Christmas episodes of anything ever. You know, Abed's uncontrollable Christmas on community. (laughs) I knew you were going to bring that up. Uh, And, you know, it's I feel like it's a similar story. You know, the characters kind of get trapped in an old classic thing. Um, So I I really feel like this episode kind of walked so that one could run. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, because it's a great there idea. Are, there's a few um, shows that do that a- animated mm-hmm. thing. Like, I, didn't Home Improvement also do that? Yeah, and and it was funny because didn't they also sort of do it in the style of their opening credits too? Because their opening credits were kind of animated. Too. Or am I remembering that wrong? You might I feel be, like. Well, they did it in the style hmm. of the 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 old school puppet. Yeah, that's right. You Claymate. know, like they kind of like yeah. stop motion claymate. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Always Sunny did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a million I'm pr- There's probably way more because those but. Christmas movies are so beloved and they're just such a fun thing to like kind of pay but tribute that, to. That community episode is still just an all time yeah. great. I got to watch I, that. I, I, yeah, I always rewatch it. I, yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it and I think I'm going to rewatch mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm really for whatever reason so in the mood to watch Christmas and like any holiday stuff like like it's yesterday been a rough, been a rough, it's been a rough year and I, I feel like I think it, it, yeah I think I just need a big heaping dose of nostalgia and like warm happy feelings like yesterday we spent a lot of time watching different like Hanukkah like videos we were watching like oh, the, oh I, the I wrote Adam them Sandler. I wrote them down oh, because okay. yeah um you know there aren't the 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 well of Hanukkah movies is not very mm-hmm. deep. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. And there isn't there isn't one that I'm particularly uh planning to watch this year. But from from the title of this episode, I was hoping it would be a little bit more Hanukkah focused. Yeah. Like the oi oi to the world. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I I I'm catching the uh, the impression that the Fran character is Jewish. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So if you haven't She's watched explicitly, well, we talked about the no, one okay. year they did a Hanukkah episode. They did a Hanukkah episode. We talked about, but also if if you're not super familiar with the show, this is my first episode in probably about twenty years. Okay. So uh, Fran is very explicitly Jewish. Um, her mother and grandmother, who all, who are also in the show, are as well. And if you just scroll through episode titles, many yeah. many episodes have like Jewish. And Yiddish references in the titles of the episodes. I'm not sure that necessarily means it works its way into the plot of the episode. Yeah. So kind of like the way this is oi to the world, but it's not really like the plot itself well, is just about Christmas. Yeah. There are many episodes that use like titles that reference very Jewish things that um, I haven't watched them all. So I don't know if it actually has anything to do with the plot, but just like. She's also one of the producers and writers of the show, well, and it, this, it permeates everything. So the thing I hoped that you'd bring up was the fact that so this ep- this episode was written by her and her creative partner, who is her ex-husband, um, Peter uh, Jacobson. 
And mm. so they're both Jewish. And I think I think that this whole episode is like a classic sort of like tribute to the fact that so many Jews wrote classic Christmas songs and wrote like a yep. lot of the content. So that's yep. how I kind of saw this is like, oh, they're doing that fun thing of like, OK, we're going to bring this very Christmas. Yeah. You know, and they mm -hmm. had a couple of funny little jokes like they had like. The reindeer, then instead of Blitzen, it was Blinson. Blinces. <laughs> Blint Blinces. Yeah. Who else are you going to get to work on, Cr on Christmas. Christmas Eve? Yeah. It's um, <laughs> like, it was, that was very cute. And it is a trope for us, like, like Jews talking about their, at least here, in, at least in the US and Canada, talking about our experience with Christmas and mm -hmm. what we kind of get up to around Christmas time. So that is kind of like a, a trope and the idea of like a Jewish character who is somehow involved in saving Christmas. Like there's a movie called The Hebrew Hammer and yeah. it's not a Hanukkah movie. It's a Christmas movie, <laughs> but it's like it's like a, the the main character is kind of like uh, like one of those private dick sort of almost like a like a black exploitation from the 70s movies. But like. They call it like a Jew exploitation <laughs> version of that. And uh, he even like the clothing that he's wearing is like very 70s inspired, I guess. And like the whole plot involves saving Christmas. So it's it's that is sort of a trope. Um, so I, I, I kind of knew that this was going to go that general direction. Um, so but, I don't know, like, yeah, although but, very, very, very fun. But yeah, fun. you like get back to oh, your list but I was of Hanukkah say, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. We did watch a bunch of music videos and a couple of my favorites for anyone who hasn't seen them would be um, Puppy for Hanukkah uh, from David Diggs. And uh, also, which I believe is some sort of Disney production. It might have been, I feel like it might have been done for a TV show or a movie. That's I think probably it's just like, like a Disney Channel thing. A Disney like it's Channel like meant thing, to be like a family but it, it, friendly, but yeah. it's a very it's very cute. But it's very it's cute. like a hip hop like music video about kids wanting a puppy for Hanukkah. Very cute puppy. Yeah, uh, it, like the puppy that they end up using is like maybe the cutest puppy I've ever very seen. Very catchy. So it's like very heartwarming. Yeah. And then uh, the um the like more sort of adult uh geared uh one would be the Hanukkah song 2.0 which is uh, a double performance featuring Nisim Black and Kosha Dills. So <laughs> I don't even know how to begin to explain it other than it's the most New York thing you'll ever see. But <laughs> go ahead and watch that one, too. So they're sampling Adam Sandler. They're sampling the Adam Sandler tune. Yeah. But then they're like rapping over it. And it's all like the lyrics are kind of like people coming together um to celebrate yeah, it's very and, nice. and peace and, and yeah. it, it's got a very nice message uh and it's shot i think it was a pandemic time production shot very like indie on the streets of new york and in the subways and stuff like that and you can see like random passers-by some of them wearing like masks and stuff in the subway especially and they seem to be completely unaware that there's a music <laughs> video being shot like random people kind of you know, catching glances from them, like what's yeah. going on? Um, as these two guys are kind of going through the city, and uh, yeah, it's, it's very entertaining. Um, as far as like a Hanukkah movie, I 
I don't think there... I know that there have now been a couple of Hallmark movies. <laughs> Hanukkah, I have not, yeah, I've not yeah, seen yeah, one. I've seen them. I've seen like the like little posters for them. Yeah. When you look at that kind of selection. Well, Sa- Sandler did his animated one. Yeah, yeah the Eight Crazy Nights. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll watch that. Because I've, yeah, I've never seen that one. But, um, and then there's, of course, the classic. Oh, we've already talked about this on the podcast on one of our like one of our holiday episodes, the Chrismica, the classic Chrismica episode of the OC where it's Seth Cohen, like, yeah. you know, in his ultimate because he's a half Jewish, half Gentile kid. And it's kind of like how he combines the best of both holidays to make the ultimate holiday. If there's one thing you can always count on Seth Cohen to do is to make something about himself. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's some great Chrismica Chris episode. There's there's like a there's a weird like conceptual one later on where they do like kind of like a, a kind of a it's a wonderful world like alternate reality thing where like can't remember how it is, but they do a Chrismica episode that is like set in an alternate universe where I think it's the they never adopt Ryan or something like oh. that. Or, I don't remember. Speaking about high concept, um, just briefly going back to the show we just reviewed, was there a bit of a like Wizard of Oz style thing going on there in the way that she gets like bonked on the head and goes on this fantastical yeah. Yeah, journey? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess you can yeah. make a wicked that. witch and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, but that is, I think, I think that there must be like a Christmas movie that has that as well mm. there must mm. yeah. be something um yeah i mean i was showing i was briefly showing aaron clips from uh santa claus is coming to town which is one of those other classic and i'm like oh i really want to watch that but the, it's not free anywhere you have to like rent yeah. it so i'm like do i want to spend the money on it <laughs> but but it's such a wacky and classic movie that i'm like you know and it's got I, Burger uh, Meister Meisterburger, you know. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I watched, <laughs> uh, in the spirit of us talking about Christmas shit, uh, I watched the new, uh, the the new season of Frasier has a Christmas episode. Oh, uh, I watched that, and uh, it was amusing. It, it, it was amusing. Uh, it's uh, just Frasier, and because the whole the whole show is kind of about Frasier trying to reconnect with his son. Oh. Uh, a- after his dad passed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they have, yeah, they have kind of a cute, cute so thing. So his and... son is like an adult now. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. In, in his, well into his 40 or late 30s, 40s. Yeah. Oh my God. That's wild. Yeah. yeah a lot of time has passed. I guess he, yeah. yeah. I guess his son would be like our age. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's wild. We'll have, Pretty much. We'll have to prioritize watching this yeah, new show yeah. because at some point in the new year, I think the three of us are going to have to discuss it yeah. in more detail because I mean, yeah, we talk yeah. about, I, I mean, me, especially I talk about Frasier on this podcast so much. It'd be, yeah. It'd be crazy to not watch the, uh, it's certainly an interesting experiment. It, it's, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's like as much of a departure from cheers to Frasier as Frasier to this is. Oh, because interesting. Like, well, it's a whole new cast, right? Like yeah. nobody returned yeah. except for him. Uh, and it it's interesting in that there's weird things like you know obviously they don't want to imply that Fraser and Niles don't speak, so they have a lot of like Fraser's texting Niles things. Hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that that'll be one of our res- resolutions for the new <laughs> year. We'll yeah. be watch that show. Yeah. Yeah. You know what kind of Hanukkah movie I would like to see exist? What? Would be a movie like Die Hard. Just a cool movie that happens to take place amidst a backdrop of a character who celebrates Hanukkah, but not about the holiday, just something <laughs> happening. And then shit we, going down. Shit going if down. Only, if only we knew people who like to write and produce and direct movies. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you should make that movie, Aaron. We all help you write it. You know what? Let's make the movie. Me too. This is a pretty yeah, yeah, good yeah. idea. Yeah, Barry. This is a pretty good idea. Yeah. You heard it here f- first, folks. If this movie happens, you will know that this episode of this podcast was the first was the uh, ins- the the um the genesis of it. Old Testament jokes. Father Mike would have loved that. Yeah, he would have. He would have yeah. indeed. Yeah. Well, uh, any what? final <laughs> any final thoughts on on the three shows we reviewed? No, I just, you know, I just want to say it was really fun to have this little festive, another festive episode. And I love that we kind of didn't overplan it and that we just kind of like, there was no pressure. We didn't put any pressure on ourselves. Just like with the holidays, I think the holidays get a little bit crazy when you put too much pressure on them. When you just kind of like, you know, keep it chill and don't over consume and don't. You know, just like keep it as something that should be kind of cozy and kind of nostalgic. Like that's like the best way to treat the holidays. And then, of course, seeing friends and loved ones like that's, you know, and that's what we did today. You know, we just kind of revisited some shows that, you know, were easy to watch and easy to absorb and got to spend this time together and spend this time with all of you up there. You know that? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Totally. Happy December 15th, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening. This will be our last episode of 2023. We're going to go on a little bit of a holiday break and we'll come back to you in the new year Woo-hoo! with some sort of other weird show. <laughs> yes, indeed we will. I want everybody out there, uh, you know, since you're hopefully listening to this before the holidays to, uh, you know, have wonderful times with loved ones family friends however your family or chosen family uh appears to you uh make sure the people around you know what how you care about them uh it's not a bad time of year to actually say it yeah don't imply it say it so uh so yeah happy holidays to everyone out there happy holidays happy holidays That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That Was a Show? Radio Gizmo.